Welcome to Adeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, episode 3. If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneurs across Africa. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode three, guys. Beginning to get into the groove of podcasting. <laughs> I just wanted to remind everyone to sign up on the website for the giveaway for the launch. I'm giving out two books, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday and Choose Yourself by none other than James Altucher. It's going to be good, guys. Trust me. So the best way for you to enter for an opportunity to get one of these books is to sign up for my email list at odeshi.com. That's O-D-E-S-H-I.com. You can also leave a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and share it on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and any other social media you like. And now, a word from our sponsors before we get on with the rest of the show. Now close your eyes and repeat after me. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. But guess what, guys? You can still find a home away from home if you go to jovega.com. Jovega.com is a leading hotel booking platform with over 5,000 hotels across Nigeria. So, whether you're visiting friends or attending a special event, you can be rest assured knowing that you'll find a nice place to get a good night's rest. Go to jovega.com. That's J-O-V-A-G-O.com for more details. Looking to make secure and hassle-free transactions online? Want to take control of all your bills and be the master of your universe? Just Paga it! Paga is Nigeria's premier e-payment solution that makes it extremely easy to conclude transactions online. Whether it's paying your bills or online shopping, Paga has got you covered. Just Paga it! Go to mypaga.com, that's M-Y-P-A-G-A.com for more details. Your cash Anytime, anywhere, Paga. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Odeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur. Today's guest is Victor Asemota. He is the founder and CEO of Swifter Systems, an enterprise application and consulting and implementation company that focuses on information security and transaction systems. Victor has over 20 years of experience in the technology space in West Africa, and he has worked with many startup projects with African venture capital companies and believes in the vision of harnessing the knowledge and experience of African professionals globally to make Africa the greatest force to contend with in the world. He has brought a lot of international experience and resources to effect change solutions to businesses in Africa. Victor, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Like I said, I was, I was born in Benin City, uh, the state of Nigeria. Um, grew up there. You know, did almost all my schooling there at first, but and uh, my my mother went to school in the UK. My uncles went to school in the UK. Everybody was going to school abroad. They kept on laughing at me that uh, I was 100% been there. I did my first degree. You know, I did my uh, primary school, secondary school, first degree, MBA in Venice. I was 100% Benin. I hadn't gone anywhere at all. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, I, <laughs> I started my, my company in Benin City. 
I went, did my NYC in Lagos, worked in Lagos for a while, came back again to Benin City to do my MBA, you know, and, uh, you know, it was probably um, one of the best decisions I ever made going back to Benin City because, like, a place that I knew, I was already familiar with. So I actually uh, understood all the problems that were there, and that was how we were able to, like, apply the knowledge that um, I gained from um, working uh, uh, in, in technology, in the technology company uh, called Dyson, uh, one of the very, very first technology companies, indigenous technology companies in Nigeria. Okay. Uh, they took over from IBM when uh, uh, most uh, foreign companies were indigenized by uh, Bassinger the first time he was president. So um, they actually uh, started, you know, recruiting um, local talent and you know, training them on the mysteries of, you know, uh, foreign technology. And so that, that he actually gave us a break. So our CEO there was Professor Fatula, um, who was uh, also at the same time the head of uh, head of Department of Computer Science in the University of Benin. You know, and that, that, that's something that, you know, I, I keep telling people now, you know, there are not enough academics who are also in the industry. You know, and that was actually very, very useful to us at that time because he was a lecturer who was also the CEO of, of a technology company outside. You know, I don't know how that plays out now, but, you know, he was CEO of one of the, in fact, the biggest technology company in Nigeria. And he was also the head of the Department of Computer Science in the University of Benin. So um, he, he, also, he gave us that break, you know. And um, uh, when I came back to Benin, uh, to do my master's, um, I had already got the grounding from, from Geisen. And um, myself and this little Indian boy called Salim Narayana, who was also who was a developer at Geisen, came back to school again in Univen. Um, we wanted to go to Lagos for an event. We were broke. Um, we did not have any cash. And we were thinking of how to, you know, get money. And we now realize, wait a minute, we had some skills. So why don't we uh, find somebody we can sell the skills to? So, and um, luckily for us, we found somebody who um, wanted uh, some training for the staff, who wanted this done, uh, some uh, couple of things fixed in the office, you know, tech-wise. So, and, you know, we did that. You know, it was just a hobby at first. Travel. Uh, before we knew what was happening, more of those requests started coming while we were still in school. And we now realized that, okay, this was something really, really serious, um, that there was, a, there was demand in Benin City for, for technology services. So, and we were doing it on an ad hoc basis for, for a while until um, this same client now introduced us to the largest agro-based company in Nigeria at that time, the Okomoe Farm Company. And that was your first, that was your first client? Your first client? Yes. Okay. But, but I would say that was my first, that was my first big client. First big know, client, okay. Because, um, the first line, this, these guys I told you about, they were the, they were, uh, the EEC, it was Federal Department of Agriculture, actually, but it was an EEC project under the Federal Department of Agriculture, the European Economic Commission. They are actually, um, they were providing funding for uh, local projects. And uh, they had this model where the local projects would, would um, adopt technology, pay for the technology, then they'll give them a refund. 
So, and uh, well, which was actually quite good. Those are things that also do not happen. You know, when you talk about aid and all of that, now in Africa, you know, they don't have those models anymore. Yeah. Uh, they actually encourage them to to use local um, local resources, you know, uh, to do their projects. And there weren't many, so it was it was like a needle in the haystack. They found us, and uh, we're also very lucky that uh, there was a, a gentleman called. Um, Mr. John Whitechurch, you know, that is a very, very important person in my life. He was uh, working with USC Group in the past before he became the CEO of Okomo. He was the person that started Mr. Biggs in Nigeria. So, you know, he's, um, I, I call him the, <laughs> the, the quietest Nigerian I've ever met because he's <laughs> 29 years in Africa. You know, he, he basically... Uh, was the one that gave us that break. You know, he, he believed in us. Okay. He believed that um, there was no reason why he should call him the British company, but he, he's British, uh, to come do work in Africa when Africans uh, could do it. And, you know, he believed in me, and, you know, it so happened that, uh, that the, the farm of Komu is actually based in a community where uh, my ancestral home is. Uh, it's called Udo. Uh, and, you know, I knew that community very well. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it all worked out in the end. We, we did a lot of work for them for seven years. You know, that was basically our, our, our lab. We learned everything there. We failed. We succeeded, you know. And we were able to build, eventually, you know, a full ERP from scratch, you know, Using our heads, <laughs> end to end. Okay. For, for, um, and um, the only thing we did not have at that time, we did not have people who had already done what we did successfully. Companies like Geisen, they were just they were selling boxes, they were pushing um, uh, stuff. They were everything was based on what IBM was doing. They just took IBM script and they were running it. So we didn't have. Real local tech entrepreneurs who would actually tell us, okay, don't make this blunder, don't make that blunder. There were very, very few. Um, there was a guy, Mr. Williams of uh, Tara Systems. We didn't understand. Those guys were far ahead of us. You know, these guys were doing Oracle stuff. We were doing, you know, we were very young. And we didn't, so we made a lot of mistakes. We made a lot of blunders. One of those was, okay, wasting seven years to build a product that would not scale because we were over customizing for one client. Wow, you spent seven years on one project. On one project, you know, there are several projects we we're making money from. You know, mm -hmm. but the thing we were, people were looking at us from outside and saying, "Oh, these guys were whiskey. They were, you know, we make, made a lot of money. You know, we we did hardware, we did software, we we were doing a whole lot of things. You know, uh, for for a farm in a community where they had um, eighteen thousand workers, uh, manual workers, and maybe like about. Um, 100 uh, to 200 uh, members of staff managing those guys. So we built payroll. We did everything, you know, for that community. Uh, and, you know, fantastic learning experience. Even when I became an SAP consultant later on, you know, all, there were things that were not new to me anymore because I had, I had done it myself. I had learned the hard way, you know. Um, now... When uh, Mr. Whitechurch left there and all of that, you know, a foreign, um, a Belgian company actually bought the farm. And, you know, 
when big companies buy small companies, they want to standardize everything. Because this Belgian company had farms all over Africa. So they wanted to use the same software for all the farms in Africa. Okay. Now, they asked us, okay, could we uh, replicate what we are doing at other farms? Oh, yeah, we could. But did we have the resources to? No, we didn't. You know, and that was it. An Indian company came that had the resources and that could do it, and they took us out. So that was my very, very first failure, and, you know, it was really, really bitter. You know, because, we, you know, seven years of hard work, we lost everything. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, it was then I... You know, I now understood how vulnerable um, small companies, you know, small tech companies in Africa. We didn't know anything about um, getting funding. We didn't know anything about uh, scaling. We didn't know anything about, you know, standardizing products. There's so many things we didn't know. So you guys were just running this as you were going along the way. You didn't... Yeah, we had 20... There were 21 guys. You know, we had... In fact, you know, um, I... I keep telling people my greatest accomplishment because there's a young man who's in London now. He's doing very well. You know, we have people that we just we took from the streets. This guy came to us. He he he, he didn't even pass jam. You know, he didn't even. Uh, wait, for our listeners that are not in Africa, could you please explain yeah. what jam is? Oh, the matriculation exams for universities. Okay, so you know, that's kind of like the SAT for inter like, universities. So he, 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 he came to us and, you know, we looked at him. I said, look, this guy had a lot of promise. And, you know, we gave him a computer. And the guy became one of the best developers that, you know, in fact, he's not the best developer that, uh, best developer that uh, has ever worked with us. And um, he went back to school, came out of the first class, went, went, went to England, did his PhD. And you know, he's doing very, very well. Now, those were the kind of opportunities that we created you know, for a lot of people, you know, around them. But for us as a company, uh, we did not really, really know what we were doing. I, I wouldn't say that that period was a waste because when we failed, a lot of people who left us now start, went to companies like System Specs. You know, they have a human manager, you know, the best um, HR software in Nigeria today. It was people from, from, from Swifter who went there, you know, to actually help them build it and, you know, and eventually standardize it. So, uh, and uh, human manager, you know, when I was in South Africa uh, one year, I found a company uh, who, who was actually helping them, you know, do that standardization. And it was then I now realized that we needed to reach out to South Africa. So, which is what I did. Um, but my co-founder, he had already gone to South Africa. I had moved. He, you know, he, he, he got married, went, moved to South Africa. So, I... He kept on dragging me out of Nigeria, you know, come see what's happening outside there, you come learn. You know, um, he, he, he started another little company in South Africa with some guys called Sagacious. Uh, what's what's the name? Sagacious. Okay. Sagacious. Uh, they had built this little um, payment switch that was scaling rapidly because then, you know, he had made, learned from the mistakes. They were now... Uh, um, doing very well. They, they were in 47 sites in about 17 countries. Um, they actually wanted me to join that team. And, you know, I, I opted to become um, a, a partner, you know, still doing what we're doing in Nigeria, you know. Um, but I didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> until it happened to us. And we, we lost all, all the business for that one client. Then um, I realized that it, 
you know, it was time to actually do something, you know, different. And we found out that, you know, we had actually gained a lot of experience and we could use that experience to provide services to other people who were, who, who had products that are skilled to Nigeria that, you know, um, did not have resources to actually support them. So um, I got in touch with my uncle who was, um, who used to be a banker who, you know, uh, left banking and had, you know, started business. And he actually wanted me to uh, come join him to, to be part of the consulting business. In fact, I actually started, I did my national service with him. I lived with him for, you know, several years. I've lived with him longer than I even lived with my parents. So he kept on dragging me, kept trying to drag me to the corporate world. He never succeeded. You know, eventually when he left the corporate world, when he already had his own consulting business, dragged me in. So, we, you know, I, while I was there with him, um, a, a, a couple of companies were set up. You know, he, he invested in the first telecoms uh, 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 business in Nigeria, Econet Wireless Nigeria. Okay. So, so as the first mobile phone company? company? Yeah, first uh, mobile phone company in Nigeria. Yeah. So I, I was part of the project team who actually got that off the ground. Um, we, he, I saw how you actually really, really raise money because they raised about $285 million wow. you know, uh, for that company. You know, so I, I actually now gained firsthand you know, a lot of experience. You know, we, we did, uh, there was a bank we took over. We did a lot of you know, M&As. Um, uh, there was a bank we took over. Uh, we started with a seed fund of two million naira. We IPO'd at three billion. So you know, I, I saw a whole lot of things, you know, which was which was was really really good. You know, it was um, a few years, but you no, know, this thing, this tech bug still kept on, you know, pulling at me. So were you actively so, involved in the deal process with Econet at the time? Yeah, apart from, I, the, te- I, apart from the technology side. No, technology side was where they wanted me to be, but okay, um, the role was not very structured. You could move. It wasn't, very, it wasn't very structured. But at okay. the end of the day, it was HSBC Capital. HSBC Capital, um, they 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 came and they you know they actually structured the deal. And I I they had very very few local resource people. And I you know I was with, with them. I you know I was seeing everything. I was you know working in the same office. I was actually you know help. It was technology support, but you know, you at the end of the day, you get involved in all the things you are not meant to get, to get involved in, okay. you know. And um, you know, I, I learned a lot from that process. I actually realized that okay, look, you know what, um, you, you can actually do something really, really big, you know, without uh, having your own funds or bootstrapping it. Okay. And um, you know, even then, you know, you still you still have doubts about what you can do yourself. You know, you still ask, ask yourself, look, you know what? These guys, they were in Zimbabwe. They had actually done um, some stuff before uh, they came here. Until that company itself failed, you know. Uh, they had a lot of issues, and they had to get acquired. And, you know, I saw everything that was going on. Okay. And, um, and I realized that, you know, this thing is not rocket science. From there, from that project, to decided to go back into uh, technology services. And we had the very, very first public sector SAP client in Nigeria, um, Delta State. Um, so, and, you know, 
it was also another hard learning experience, you know, trying to uh, work together with other Nigerians, you know. We had, like, a JV with, with some other guys, and we tried to do this project, and, um, you know, let's say, let's say technologically it was successful, but as a business it was a failure, <laughs> because at the end of the day... Why would you say that? Yeah, uh, the JV did not work. You know, Equinet was also a JV did not work. You know, I, I found out that there was something fundamental about, you know, get, trying to get people to work together in Nigeria at that time was very, very difficult because there, there was no trust. Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? And there were a lot of people who had not been used to um, doing, like HSBC Capital came, showed us how to raise money. All of that money was raised in Nigeria. None of the money came from outside. $285 million raised it from people who were local. Okay? Wow. Now, but running the business after, you know, was not a nightmare. You know, now, same thing in, in the little com entity that we formed, you know, JV, to do public sector projects. I actually saw the same thing repeating itself. You know, uh, people having ideas that they don't know the difference between um, uh, cash flow and profit. <laughs> you know, you're seeing the cash, you just want to use it. Okay. And... Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I decided to go back to consulting okay. you know, on my own again. And um, the first project we did was... So you went back to your own company, that's Swifter? Yes. Okay. Um, even though my uncle was still pulling back, you know, still come back, still come back. Um, uh, I, at Swifter, the first project that we did was with uh, the IFC... I had this African project development facility. It was like a, a small fund for, for startups. And uh, a lot of people did not know about it, you know. I was fortunate I knew about it, but I was, I was actually working with them on the consulting side. And the first company, they actually, first real tech company they dealt with was Socketworks. They had not dealt with any technology company before. Everything was all new. So they did not ha have any market information Nothing. There was nothing there. So I had to actually do a survey, look at their business model, and uh, give them recommendations. So and Socketworks wanted to go into BPO in Nigeria uh, because that, that, this was at the height of the BPO craze in India and everywhere, you know. And the guy, um, Alloy Chifi, Dr. Alloy Chifi, he felt, um, he, coming from Silicon Valley, he felt he could also replicate the same thing in Nigeria. And um, I, I got into the deep end. actually now found out, first of all, there's no industry data. You know, I, I, luckily, I got bits and pieces here and there, you know, went deep into BPU and looked at his model and uh, now realized that he was, you know, going in the wrong direction from my analysis. Okay, so let, let's, let's take a pause here. So what were yeah. the main obstacles you faced going into the BPO business? No, he, he, he was going to, into the BPO okay. business. So first, Swifter you know? didn't go into the BPO? You no, were Swifter, just Swifter went into eventually, but was not... Not in the way he wanted, not in the way he, he was doing it. Um, uh, we, were, we were doing outsourcing, but we were doing outsourcing at, at, at client locations. He wanted to do it from a location. You, you understand what I'm saying? I see. Uh, so um, at the end of the day, we, we told him to go into education and, and, and government, uh, education, healthcare, and government. So that's what we recommended. And um, he said no, he preferred banking and oil and gas, which were, which were booming industries in Nigeria at that time. So, because I did my analysis, and what I felt was, look, where there was a need and uh, you know, where there was a strategic opportunity was in education and, uh, you know, and government. So, and uh, the, luckily for me, 
the IFC backed me and told him, look, you know, that's what he must do. And eventually, he did it. And he became so successful. He was the first person to actually provide technology for Nigerian investors. He became so successful, he didn't really, really need IFC funding anymore. You know, but IFC still gave him about $2.6 million anyway. So that was the first, I was our first local startup, actually, you know, really tech startup I, I worked with, you know, to actually help, you know, raise some money. I learned a lot from that from that assignment, and I realized that you know, there was a massive opportunity for you know for outsourcing, you know, um, locally, uh, particularly just providing services. Okay. Uh, that people did not did not even know they were not even aware of. Everybody wants to sell products, but nobody realized that you know um, services alone, you know. Uh, but now I didn't want to make the same mistake we made before of doing everything um, in one location and you know, not not scaling. So luckily for us, um, we found one client, um, which happened to eventually now become the uh, uh, biggest telco in Nigeria and Africa, MTN. Because of the experience I had with Econet, I understood telco a lot, you know, I understood everything about telco. I knew how, you know, you start a telco business, I knew everything, you know, uh, inside the telco, in and out. So it was easier for us to actually... Um, Pitch the work to them. Sorry, yeah. So, but we're working with a South African partner then, because um, they actually wanted to do, you know, what eventually became mobile money now in all of Africa. They were the ones who actually had the initial idea, you know, because they, they actually wanted to do it in Nigeria first, but they never got a license. It became just an airtime sales project. But uh, we took that knowledge, and you know, it now became what what they used to um, start other mobile payment uh, projects in other operating countries and. You know, um, that was how, that, that was it, basically. And, you know, that was how we scaled. We started doing um, projects in several countries, and we, we started doing work with Vodafone, you know, with other other telcos. Then we ended up also still doing work with Google in the education sector that uh, all the work that SocketWorks should have done that they didn't do, um, Google is now doing it, you know, for, for universities across Africa. So what were some of the lessons and strategies you learned? Nigeria is a, Nigeria is a very big country um, that, I'm sorry to use this term, is sometimes big for nothing. Um, we, were, we were doing work for a client and we didn't, we're not paid for 18 months. We mm-hmm. now realize that, you know, cash flow, because you see, this is the thing. Another, the, the risk with services is people do not really, really realize the importance. If it's not a physical item, yes. you know, uh, they're not going to uh, um, pay you on time. So we, we realized that quickly that, you know, this was an existential problem. Mm-hmm. And um, we needed, we, when we were doing work with, with the farm, we also had that, that kind of cash flow problem, but we had different, different other sources of income. So we could actually, okay, if they didn't pay you for this, they can pay you for that, they can pay. But, for this one, we're actually providing one line item services. And we now realize, and we had people to pay. We had, yes. you know, a lot of things to do. And in the middle of all that, I went back to school again. I went to school in the UK to do a master's in, in, in uh, uh, information technology and management. Because I realized, you know, first of all, I, I always, you know, the family thing, the people mocking me that, you know, I did all my schooling in Benin. I needed to go to, go to school elsewhere. Then apart from that, um, I realized that um, a lot of the things, because like Aloy Chife, when he came, you know, he had a lot of knowledge from outside that I didn't have, you know. Um, 
a lot of the things I did, I, you know, I, I learned from the internet and um, from, uh, from local experience. I realized I needed to also um, beef up my credentials, which was one of the best decisions I ever made because I, I went out there, you know, and I really learned a lot. And after that, I every every year I try to go do um, some some course, you know, the other outside Nigeria. And um, I was doing all of that. I was a student. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know, it was really really hard. You know, this this was. Uh, this is something that a lot of people do not um, um, realize. You know, we now just decided. Look, you know what? We can't make the same mistake we, we made. You know, uh, several years ago, uh, depending on one client in one country. So, yeah, so we now started. Look, we now found uh, a client in Guinea-Bissau. You know, it's, of all countries, you know, who was willing to pay us um, uh, more than what. A client in Nigeria was offering us, you know, and they were not paying on time. And these guys were regular. In fact, these guys were paid in advance. Because Guinea-Bissau is such a small country, you know, there are only uh, two flights uh, from Senegal going to that place in a week. You know, they were isolated, pretty isolated. So they, they really, really needed services. So we now realize that there were so many other little African countries where, you know, um, our skills were required, you know, where, you know, maybe they did not have local skills. So, but uh, what I, I also did, which I, I, you know, maybe I don't know if this is a success or not. I realized that, you know, we were not going to use um, only Nigerians to do work in those countries. I decided to start recruiting other Africans, local Africans. Okay. And, uh, you know, particularly people who speak French, bilingual people, you know. So we built a multilingual team. And um, we now had a, a team from, you know, different parts of Africa, who could actually um, do work anywhere in Africa, wow. you know, and that was uh, that was actually um, um, one of the. I, I think that's that was our biggest success. But it was from adversity that we, we got it got to that. Yes, I see. Because mm-hmm. you had cash flow problems, and the only way to get out of cash flow problems was to get new clients, and your new clients came from expanding into other countries. Countries we did not expect. Countries wow. that, you know, it was That's counterintuitive. We never expected that, you know, Guinea-Bissau. A yes, Portuguese, a small country. Yeah. They speak Portuguese. You know, um, will be the one, that, you know, that will provide us. You know, somebody tells you, okay, you are from an English, go do work in a Portuguese-speaking country. You look at them and say, are you crazy? <laughs> but, you know, that was it. <laughs> that was that was how. And, and, and when, when, you, when I say that to people today, look, Skill, skill, skill. They don't get it. Oh, no. Um, f- tell a Nigerian to skill. The first thing they start thinking about is Ghana. Are they up with Ghana or Kenya? See, you guys are crazy. How about Kotunu? How about, you know, Cameroon? How about Niger? How about, you know, nobody thinks about those uh, 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 non-English speaking countries. And that's- Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because of the challenges of the language or the economics yeah. or what? Uh, a lot of Africans uh, do not like the unknown. You know, yeah. um, the reason why we were colonized is because the foreigners, they were explorers who decided to, to go, you know, the British did not speak Edo or, or Yoruba, but they came here anyway. Um, for, for me, you know, um, Africa is the last frontier, you know, for anything, technology, you know, uh, business, anything. 
So and, and we are in, in here. And what I also found out, strangely, was that we share a lot in common with those people, even if we do not speak the same language. You know, take any city in Africa, you know, uh, whether it's um, from uh, Casablanca to, to, Cape, to Cape Town, it, they have basically the same identity, you know, but people do not really, really realize that. Uh, and there, there's a, another, another company I really, really uh, uh, want to mention. The company is called Landmark. 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 Yeah, Landmark succeeds. You know, they're, they're a property company. They do managed services all over Africa. Okay. I, I looked at Landmark's model. Landmark actually succeeded in, in, in doing that, in going to, I think they're working in um, more than 20 countries now in Africa by looking for local partners in each of those countries. You know, working with those local partners. In our own case, okay, uh, it was very, very difficult to get um, local partners. We had one local partner in um, Tanzania that, you know, just disappeared. You know, we couldn't find him anymore. In those countries, getting people to, to understand and do what we're doing was also very hard. So maybe we just ended up hiring, you know, local talent rather than, um, you know, uh, working with local partners. But, you know, it, 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 for me, I see going to a new country now as a challenge, not as, as a burden. Um, but a lot of people, you, know, you tell them, okay, look, you know that this product can actually work there or whatever service you are providing here, can I, you know. Then there's this also, there's also this um, uh, thing we have, you know, in Nigeria, feeling that we are superior. You know, you know it doesn't work that way, mm. you know. A lot of people don't like us because of our attitude, you know, when you're going, I'll be humble. You know, humility, you know, helps a whole lot. And opens and doors for you. Opens doors. You know, and you know, just try to understand the culture, understand. So uh, it, 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 the other way around is, is, is even worse because it's, 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 it's only maybe Kenyans are, are bold enough to now come to Nigeria and are actually now doing, doing stuff, you know, because um, we have a common language and maybe they've actually finally decoded us that these guys, they just back, they can bite. You know, Nigerians are actually some of the friendliest people, you know, and most accommodating people in Africa. Uh, and the market in Nigeria is actually pretty, pretty much wide open. And uh, uh, yet a lot of Nigerians still don't see the opportunities, even, you know, locally. And why, and why, and why do you think that is? Um, because we love territory. We love um, seeing one model and seeing that this model is successful, and everybody wants to uh, replicate the same model. Oh. We never, we never really um, explore. You know, look at, you know, we, we don't have contrary views. We don't, you know, people try to conform always. Um, Somebody is doing this thing this way. Why don't I try the other way? Because that template is successful. Or, you know, I must also use the same template. That's 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 a very very big problem in Nigeria. Okay. And, very, very few people innovate, you know. Um, I can count, you know, on my, you know, uh, two hands, you know, the real innovators I actually know, um, you know, in Nigeria, who actually started something new that other people now looked at and said, hey, wait a minute, no, we can actually do this. There are, there are other people who, who looked at existing models and made it better, you know, for instance, in banking, um, you know, like GT Bank, for instance, you know, looked at what, what, People were doing and said, "No, this doesn't work." You know, they're still not like um, at Western standards, but they're the best when it comes to actually 
using technology in banking now in Nigeria. Okay. So uh, that kind of innovation, you know, um, it really comes from without. You know, okay. the field talks about um, um, zero to one and one to n. You know, we we always want to do one to n. We never do zero to one in, in Nigeria. Okay. That, that's our problem. Okay. So, um, Victor, I've spoken with one or two entrepreneurs in the in this series thus far, and it seems like your name always pops up whenever young entrepreneurs are starting a new company or they're looking for advice. Like, take, for example, I'm sure you probably know Jason Njoko. I've not spoken with him yet, but I read his blog, and one of the people that he gives credit to in terms of talking about technology and respect your views is you. So, okay. so why, do, why, do, why do you think that is? Why do you think that a lot of these young technology guys um, value your opinion a lot? Uh, okay, this is, it. this is just the reality. If you, you made mistakes and you're willing to talk about those mistakes openly, mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah, I messed up, and I agree I messed up. This is why I messed up. This is how I messed up. And people actually look, look at it and say, okay, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to praise myself. I will say it's about being honest with okay. yourself and with, with those people outside. You mentioned Jason. Jason's own story was interesting because I remember the very first um, day it was at a Google event in Nigeria. Um, he was actually talking about Blackberry babes, you know. He eventually married the Blackberry babe. <laughs> 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 he, he launched, and I, uh, I remember oh, when he was trying to put together this event for tech entrepreneurs in Nigeria. Oh, had been bugging me for years. Oh, he, oh is like, um, you know, he, he's the person who single-handedly um, governized the Nigerian tech ecosystem. But a lot of people don't give him credit. A lot of people do not realize what he did. Um, he was in the UK, you know. Um, the gentleman I told you about who had worked with us, who went, went to do his PhD, you know, who was his friend. Mm-hmm. You know, he actually started, did some startup together that, that um, didn't um, survive. And, you know, um, the guy kept on telling me about, oh, oh kept, you know, that's, you know, on Facebook and eventually Manchester, we, we, we met. And he kept on bugging me about hey, how he wants to come to Nigeria. And I kept on telling him that it was a bad idea, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he, he, very stubborn guy. He still came anyway. And he was getting this event uh, organized where one of these uh, people from one Silicon Valley reporter, who was coming and all of that. We actually had dinner with the lady the night before. I didn't realize that um, everything I was saying off record, she was going to use his name, uh, blog post for TechCrunch. You know, um, at the end of the day, I saw this guy who was... Making so I kept coming to why don't you tell this guy to come to the event? Why don't you tell this guy to come to the event? And oh said, Okay, yeah, he had already, he already got a bill from him and he was gonna invite him. So you know, he invited him. And um the guy who was there was at the back of the you know, the event. And he, he asked some questions. I, I said, Look, this guy is very, very intelligent. You know, I think there was a payment company that was talking about uh uh all the things you had to enter. He was asking, okay, what about you? What about privacy? You know, what, what's your privacy policy? You know, are you guarding all of this information you know, from me? I, you know, immediately I saw, saw that I said, no, this guy is more than just somebody who's doing Blackberry Babes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so 
And when we had dinner the night before, these guys had uh, mentioned, uh, Alice's husband had mentioned that, you know, one of his hobbies, he takes photographs of um, record stores, old record stores, and, you know. So he was looking for one. So I said, okay, this guy, you know, he's familiar with Alaba and everything. Probably he will know a record store. You yeah. Know? So, so I said, okay, I to come up front and see these people, you know, and um, that's how he went there and the rest is history, met them and the rest is history. You know, um, the the thing is this, um, with, all, with all of these guys, you know, I don't hold back. Even with Jason, when, you know, he started when he was, you know, I, I tell you the truth, you like, you hate me, you know, that's what I'm saying, but I'll be doing you a disservice, you know, uh, if I don't tell you how it is. You get what I'm saying, you know. And um, I, I, I don't praise myself, but I think, you know, um, we've done well, you know, for people who started from, who were, who had only one computer in Benin City, were taking turns to use it. One computer using a dial-up modem, you know, uh, at the back of my uncle's house. That's where we started the business. We're taking turns and we're, you know, from, from out of that, that nothingness, we're able to create something. You get what I'm saying? You know, we're able to, to, to go to other countries. We're able to do what we did. So which means uh, it's easier now. So it means you can actually do much more than I ever, ever dreamt I could achieve. You know, I told you about um, uh, what happened at Econet, how, you know, um, that money was raised. You know, I believe that much more can even be raised. You understand what I'm saying? You know, but we hear, we hear a lot of technology startup guys talking about it's difficult to raise money locally. What, what, what do you think about that? No, okay, now, each time I hear that, I, I just I almost lose it. Um, first of all, yes, it's true. You know, um, the, the people who have money locally um, also do not trust the entrepreneurs. You, you have to... Let me, let, me, let, me, let me put it this way. Um, I, I have done something. I'm successful. You know, I'm rich. You have done nothing. You're not successful, yet you want me to give, give you my money. You know, prove to me why I should. You understand what I'm saying? I see. Uh, and um, that burden of proof is actually on, on the entrepreneur, not on the, on the, uh, on the investor. Not on the investor. And um, what, what HSBC Capital at that time did was actually educate. I remember when I saw the prospectus, the finished product, you know, it was you know, growing four weeks. I saw the prospectus. If I had money, I would have actually invested in Econet. You know what I'm saying? You know, they, they use data. They use everything to make a case. You know, um, it wasn't like your regular five-minute pitch. People think it's just that pitch mm-hmm. that, that does it. No, it's a relationship. It's, the, it's your understanding of what's happening in the industry. Or, you know, you have to show mastery. It's not about... Um, I'm just saying, you know, I have this idea. You know, like, I always tell people, somebody comes, oh, I have the idea. Look, I have 200 ideas every day. <laughs> you know, it's it's because it's, I, I have an idea and I tell somebody, oh, yeah, I was thinking about it. Yes, you, you know, me too. I also think about the what you are thinking about, but I want us to do it. I don't want to, I don't want to stop thinking about it. You got what I'm saying? Execution. Execution. Get, get something out of the way. Or people say, no, it, it's... Uh, so, uh, okay, this is the thing. Um, 
I, this is, if I, I do a little bit of investing nowadays, and I tell people, the company I want to, you know, I, I want to invest in, you know, must meet two criteria. Number one, you must have raised some money from family and friends. If you can't convince your family and friends that your idea is good and you can't raise money from them, then it's probably almost, almost most likely a bad idea. You get what I'm saying? I see. Then number two, that's and, and also you can't even, if you cannot raise money from your family and friends, that means the possibility of you raising more money is actually remote because I'm not going to be the one raising money for you. You're going you're gonna to keep raising money. You get what I'm saying? You know? Now, number two, um, you know, which is... Um, for me, when I tell people this, and they ah, no, but when people keep saying there's no talent, you know, it, what they're looking for is people that they want to pay salaries, not people that they want to work with. Do you get what I'm saying? You know, uh, when you tell me, if I ask you, okay, look, the people working with you, uh, do they have a stake in the business? And you tell me, no, they're just salary earners. I, there's no way I'm going to invest in you. And that's, that's another fundamental problem that, you know, a lot of Nigerian startups have. They want to employ people. They don't want to work with people. There's a very, very big difference. Mm. You know, you, you want to have people and call them your staff. Not, you know, like when we started Swifter, you know, I tell, always tell people this. When we printed cards, I, everybody was a partner. I called them, look, our partners. You know, I, I didn't look at anybody as an employee, and I still do not, not do that. You know, you know, without them, you know, there's no business. Do you get what I'm saying? I you see. Know? And, and, and that's... You know, a fundamental thing. Everybody wants to be um, a Leo Stan or, you know, one of the big names in tech. Oh, you have plenty of people. You have, everybody wants to be the, the mogul, the guru. But that's not it. The founder has to be, if I have to be the servant, you have to be everything, you know, to the people who are actually uh, working together with you. In fact, there was a Cameroonian company, Njoku, where people were laughing at them. Oh, everybody's a co-founder. But that's the model. You get what I'm saying? Inclusion and <laughs> partnership. Precisely. You know, they were laughing at them, oh, Njoku, everybody's a co-founder there, but that, that is how it should be. You know, and, and those are two fundamental things I see with local startups. You know, first of all, try to raise money. Because my mother gave me money when we started. My uncle helped me out, you know, with a lot of things, not with non-cash. Uh, I used his place. You know, I had a lot of uh, support from him. And, you know, he actually pointed me out to um, people suppliers who can actually give me supplier credit and all of that. There are so many, many things people can do for you without necessarily giving you cash that are actually more valuable than cash. I see. But you have to build relationships or leverage on the existing relationships that you have. Okay. But a lot of people don't do that. You look at RetechCrunch, you want to, you know, um, there's somebody online, you know, she actually, when somebody was complaining about funding, she said, what do you, you, you need funding to eat? Say, don't you have family? That's what she asked, because she lives in the UK, Nigeria lives in the UK. And that's really, really it. So if you are looking for money to eat or to employ, you've just missed the boat. So I don't really think that problem exists. I think we, we've manufactured it. Okay. Um, because it, 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 they said um, there's this guy, he's well, the guy that started with Innovation Hub, Idris uh, Ayobelo. He mentioned something that really, really struck him, that a poor man you know, is one who has no family or friends. You know, if you have family or friends, you're not a poor man. So and you, you should be able to, you know, start something, you know, small and prove something that other, you know, other people cannot uh, come to invest in. So if you can't do that, sorry, you're in the wrong game. So now let's let's take it to present times. What do you think is the current state of 
innovation today in Nigeria or in Africa? Okay, I don't know. Um, Church of innovation is very, very broad. But, okay, let me, um, in, let me give you my perspective of what I see happening and, and what I think about it. Okay. Um, like I said before, Africa is the last frontier. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, a lot of people who have, you know, uh, maxed out other markets are now looking to Africa and say, okay, what can we do here? But, you know, there are still a lot of things that a lot of people do not understand Africa. So people feel that they figured it out. You have all these consulting companies providing all sorts of data. And I look at the data these guys provide. The data is about um, uh, Africa as a potential market, not Africa as a productive base. And, and, and there's a difference. And that thing really, really gets me worked up. Because the biggest asset Africa has is now is the young population. You know, you go to a place like Uganda, you have 70% of Uganda under 30. You know, you can imagine what you can transform these kind of people to. That was what India was, you know, years ago, and that's how India became a technological force. You know, how can we look at Africa that way, as a productive base, and how can we turn Africa, rather than looking at Africa as uh, just a, a consuming market? You know what I'm saying? Um, education has problems. Um, so-called innovation we're talking about, you know, has problems. If, if um, there are more companies trying to um, bring products from outside to sell as e-commerce companies, than products than companies who are actually manufacturing products or services from Africa, then we have a problem. Do you know what I'm saying? I see. You know, like Nollywood, I love what Jason did in Nollywood because that's our, our local product you're taking and trying to sell. Do you know what I'm saying? You know. It's not local. That's local ingenuity, local talent. You know, you are you are actually helping that productive base. You know, if you now um, want to bring things from outside to to bring to us, you're not helping us. You get what I'm saying? I see. You know, there's a difference. So and um, that's the way, the way I look at Africa, and I see so much potential, so much opportunity. There are lots of challenges. Um, the way we as Africans should look at Africa is not the way um, foreigners are. We, we, we tend to, like, view Africa from the lens of people outside. I, you know, I get very, very worked up. I, I tried to do a funding round for healthcare last year. You know, you go out, you know, I, I decided to target my uh, friends in diaspora who are in the healthcare industry. You know, uh, you're trying to get them to actually um, invest in healthcare projects. I found out that you know, Indians were now opening up hospitals in, in, in Lagos. You know, Indians own the best hospitals in Lagos. Just let that sink in. You know, Indians have started setting up diagnostic centers in Lagos. Indians are getting owning the healthcare industry in Nigeria. And I, I was making a plea to these guys. You know, why don't you come back or you know, invest in some? First of all, first question was, oh, um, who will they? Who will run it? Who will they? Who, which was a valid question because talent is a problem. You know, healthcare because. Most of the good doctors and uh, healthcare professionals, they've all left. They go overseas. They go overseas. So, which was, it made a lot of sense. So, and the uh, next thing, somebody said, okay, where, where are the opportunities I can make money? And, you know, all what they're thinking of is they, they want to come make money in Nigeria and take it back to their safe haven outside. And I'm saying, you guys don't get it. You guys don't understand that, you know, you can make so much money in Africa that, you know, you don't even need to, to work again. You get what I'm saying, you know, and um, 
it's just it's just sad that even even uh, Africans are also guilty of what what uh, non-Africans are doing. They look at you know people in diaspora look at look back home and and look at a place where they can come harvest. You know they think they, they are seeing low-hanging fruits. People here are very foolish. You know they can't pluck the fruits, so they can, want to come pluck them and take the fruits back uh, back to where they are. So that's 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 really really uh, in a nutshell what my uh, perception is of what's happening. And I, I believe there's there's so much potential. It's also for people to actually uh, be, uh, have some reorientation here. You know that help is not going to come from outside. You know anybody that that um, there's there are a couple of um, investors uh, from from the states that uh, came for an event. You know, in in, uh, in Ghana here, you know, I, when I was in the States last year, I met with them and all of that. Met, I met with them again earlier this year. You know, they, they had tremendous insight. There were things they knew. They came here, they saw things that were not apparent to, to us. You get what I'm saying? I see. Like, like somebody asking me, okay, why are we bothering about um, addresses when every house has an uh, you know electricity meter, a unique ID? And I said, what? You know, nobody talks about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and but you know, it's actually getting that data. You know, that's now the challenge. You know, um, they, 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 they had a different perspective. They had, but ultimately, what these guys were, were trying to do, even though they were coming, they're not coming. You know, they're coming to make money from 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 Africa. That's that's it. It's not. It wasn't. Um, they're not coming to help us. So we should get it out of our head that you know, there's some severe that's coming to, you know. Uh, uh, help us from out there. You know, we can only help ourselves. Nobody else will help us. You know, if they're, if they're coming to do anything here, it has to be profitable. It has to be something, you know, somebody is thinking about addresses because he's looking for how he's going to sell uh, stock, you know, to 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 to, to Africans. You, you understand what I'm saying? You know, he wants to manage the address problem because he wants to sell. He's not doing it because, you know, of the good of his heart. You know, so and... Um, and people are, you know, willing to like uh, sacrifice all their data, give everything to to the guy who's there, you know, only to come for the person to come, you know, um, you know, make a lot of money, and you know, where we're left holding an empty pot. I, uh, just let me add this: As, um, Philip Pemegwali, um, he said something, you know, in a blog post he wrote in 2010, which really, really, really. Um, change my perspective on everything. He said, uh, um, a, a bar of raw iron, you know, is, that costs a hundred dollars, you know, in Africa, you know, when, after you just mined it. Um, in Africa, we only have the technology to trans maybe change it into cups. So, and the value will add is maybe another hundred dollars, so it becomes two hundred dollars. Okay? Um, people in Asia will take that bar of iron that's a hundred dollars and turn into a needles and the value of those needles would be like maybe sixty five thousand dollars now people in europe would take that same bar and turn it to springs in watches and the value of what they've created would be five million dollars yeah. now you know the same bar was in africa you know same thing with human you know um, uh, human resources you take a guy from like um, the, the gentleman in England, I was telling you about that. Okay, the, you know, uh, did not pass his matriculation exam, but eventually got in and you know was doing so much stuff. He's he 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 was 
talent, raw talent here. He's now building um, uh, platforms for hedge funds in the UK. You understand what I'm saying? I see, yes. Look at the value they added to him. So why can't we do that locally? <laughs> you know, if it's the same guy who, who was in Benin City, who's now building, you know, a trading platforms for hedge funds, <laughs> what, are we, what are we talking about? We have, this, we have everything. We have the raw talent, the raw materials. All what is required is the process. So we need to learn that process. And we need to, like, bring that um, knowledge to transform that raw material into, you know, into $5 million, $5 million product. Okay. So that's, that's really what we need to do in Africa. That's interesting. So let's, as we're wrapping up now, I just want to take it to the advice mode, even though you've given us a lot of advice. But um, the, my first question will probably be this. So looking back on your career thus far, what yeah. advice would you give to yourself if you were just starting out today? Mm, that's a hard one because um, things are very, very different today. You know, uh, you know there, there are so many things. There are so many resources. There are so many things that people have now that I didn't have at that time. Okay. Uh, and, um, you know, I wouldn't know, you know, if I would make the same choices I made then now. Um one fundamental thing that pushed me into entrepreneurship, you know, was I did not, I wanted to be different from my family. You know, and people look at me and say, oh, you have very successful family members. You know, there's this misconception that, okay, um, because I had wealthy family members, okay, I, I would always be successful. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. you, know? you know, it wasn't always that way. You know, I, I, I needed to prove it when I needed to be my own person. I needed to um, maybe, you know, now, I have a cousin who's, who's also trying to break out on his own, you know, his father is wealthy, uh, you know, he's done amazing stuff, you know, he, he started a, a, a beverage company, he started, you know, he's done some things that I can't even imagine, you know, and he's just 22, you know, in Nigeria, uh, maybe because he had that background to take more risks, you know, maybe, you know. And maybe because I also um, felt that, you know, uh, I, I could never, never go hungry. You get what I'm saying? I could, I could actually also take those risks. Okay. Now, there are, there are people who are really, really hungry who do not have that background, who do not have um, 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 that, that thing I had, you know. Uh, they, not have a, they, they may not have a mother who, who will sacrifice everything, who will sell her car. You know, to, to see that your business starts. You got that thing. I see. Um, you know, they may, they may not have. So, so things are very, very different from, for, for everybody. Now, if I, if I had to do it now, I don't know what the circumstances would be. So I, I, won't, I won't say, because a lot of things are different now. Uh, uh, there's the internet. There's, there are a lot of resources. Now, there are a lot of people claiming that they want to fund startups, people, you know, a lot of people going up and down. What I keep telling people, ignore all of that. Look at the problems. What, what problems are there to solve? You know, look at, like, I, I keep referring to Peter Thiel's, uh, you know, uh, philosophy of zero to one and one to end. You know, if you want to do one to end solutions, okay, then you really, really need money. 
You know, you really, really but it's something somebody has already done, you want to actually scale. Now, zero to one, those are, you know, biggest opportunities. You know, from zero, you are going to one, something has never been done before. Mm. Now, those opportunities, because Africa is the last frontier, there are several of those opportunities still there. Uh, you don't have to just look at Uber and just, you know, say, uh, clone Uber. You know, I was reading um, Venture Brown yesterday about uh, the company called Africa. They looked at the model and said, look, you know what, why uh, do exactly what Uber is doing? Why don't we allow people to fix the price that they want to pay before they actually get on the ride? And, you know, which was a very, very fundamental thing, about, you know, because those guys understood uh, uh, user behavior, you know, you got local user behavior. So to somebody outside, it wouldn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? I so, see. To us, you know, the guy needed to know how much, you know, because like, he's not going to waste money. He wants to know how much this product costs before he, he moves forward. So, and um, I'm still learning every day. You know, I went for an event in San Francisco. You know, I didn't realize, I, I did, first thing I did on UX was like, you know, in England um, in 2005, 2006. I didn't realize that things had changed, you know, in UX so much until I went for a Google event and I now realize, you know, a lot, they, are, they, are, they are still blunders that a lot of people are making. You know, they're not starting from the user; they're starting from the product. You know what I'm saying? That's you it. know, and nobody's gathering data. So, uh, if I, if I, you know, um, were 22 years old again now, you know, I will learn. I will. I will not jump into, uh, you know, a business just because. Um, I, I I I want to go to Lagos to for an event. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we're in school. We, we had the luxury of of making those choices. You know, uh, which is why I still prefer to actually look at people who are still in schools who who you know who have a choice. You, you understand what I'm saying? You know, you can you can still go go do work. You know, or you can choose entrepreneurship. But try out your stuff in school. If it works, fine. You know, you choose that part. If it doesn't work, you know. Um, it's harder when you get out of school where you do not have any choice. And you now start saying, okay, look, I want to do entrepreneurship. Then it's no longer a choice. You understand what I'm saying? You see, yes. It's no longer a choice. You know, it, it, you're now forced. So I see a lot of forced entrepreneurs around, and it's very dangerous because, uh, you know, that desperation doesn't really, really bring innovation. You know, forget what people say. Um, you know, desperation, you know, it's not even the one to end. Those are not really even one to end, you know. Like you are now, you are, you are, you are, you start moving maybe one to one. You're not, even, you're not going anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're actually cloning what another person has done, you know. So instead of uh, getting one to end, you now start having one to one solutions because of desperation, and you know everybody keeps moving around in the same place. So, um, you know, I don't know. That's like I said. I don't know if I've answered that question. Uh, but I would, if I if I had the same opportunity again, and because of all what's happening around, I will learn. I will settle down. I will I will not jump into something because I've heard um, um, stories on TechCrunch or I've heard that, that okay maybe Jason raised so so amount of money okay. you know, all of that. You know, people if they read Jason's blog, they realize the number of times they failed before. It, you know, it wasn't magic. It means to do a switch. You understand what I'm saying? I see. Yes. So you have to have room for experimentation, room for failure. You know, and and all of that. You know, um, I I started early. You know, we started when we were 22, and you know, we failed early. You know, 
But it took us a long time to fail. So <laughs> it took us seven years to fail, and, you know, which, was very, which was also almost devastating. But I got out of that. You know, I was able to you know, come back again. Um, okay. You know, every day, you know, those threats still exist. So, you know, uh, and what I've learned over time is also not to have fear. You know, to be fearless. I've, I've acquired a certain set of skills that, you know, can, can never make me go hungry. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. You know, I can sit down today and think up something from my head that, you know, did not exist before, and I'll make money from it. And every day I keep thinking of those things. The only problem is who will execute them. Now, the people who, who are supposed to partner with me to execute them are busy doing stupid stuff. And, you know, it just, it just saddens me. But, you know, I, I'll let them make their mistakes and, and learn and come back. <laughs> so I guess um, that question kind of led into the second question I was going to ask you, which yeah. is what advice would you give to recent graduates thinking about starting a venture? But I guess you've already answered it in terms of taking time to feel, not being desperate, and just learn and gather data. Precisely. That's it. Because, like, you know, the most valuable, valuable resource in Africa is data. And, you know, very few people are gathering. And, um, you know, people for coming in from outside, they know, you know, and we have the uh, potential to actually uh, build things that can actually gather this data. Well, it will be it will be very very sad if we let uh, other people like look at telcos for instance. Uh, local telcos started the you know Econet, MTN. Those are African companies. They have so much data they've amassed over the years. But what have they done with it? They don't even know that they have this data. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So why aren't local startups partnering with them to actually? Why do we have to take rocket internet to come to Africa for MTN to invest in rocket internet? You know, which was totally dumb. For, for us, you know, and I keep kicking myself every day because I got, went to the guys in MTN group, look, you know what, we are the ones that are Africans. Well, the guy, the guy asked us, where is your platform? Bring something, we will invest in it. And I said, oh, really? You know, and and, and that was it. You know, he actually opened my eyes. And look, we, we don't know how to organize ourselves. That's, that's also another problem that we have. You know, if we, uh, instead of fighting and, you know, let's just get, when, when uh, people talk about ecosystem, oh, no, we don't want any of all that hippie nonsense and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you can actually, you know, take it too far, you know, and be tapping yourself, doing kumbaya, and not really get anywhere. You know, um, it doesn't have to be something big and everything. You know, it could be just in a particular area. Like gaming, for instance, you know, in Nigeria, my very good friend, Mecca Okoye, he's been trying to set up a gaming community. You find out the same guys who will come for me, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're interested. Uh, tomorrow, they'll now come and tell you, oh, um, oh they want to do BPO too as well. I said, are you totally mad? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's no focus, you know. So that's, that's, that's a very, 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 very big problem now. You know, somebody looks at, you know, you know this thing, oh, no, you know what, uh, um, this other thing is making money. But I, I remember um, Austin Osude is um, one of my mentors and my big brother in England. Um, when my company failed at that time, and I needed to get a job. You know, I was just desperate, you know. He said I should go do a CV. So I did a CV and I came and I brought it to him. He looked at it and said, you know what the problem is with you? Said, I said, no. He said, your CV looks like a this jockey CV. You know, he played this track here, played this track here, went to this club, did this one, did the other one, you know. So, 
I, I was one of the reasons why we also failed because it's not uh, uh, because the Indians came to take away our business. Because I wasn't focused. I was doing so many things too at the same time. I was doing timber. I was doing fuel. I was doing diesel. I was. Doing, you get what I'm saying? You know, I didn't really, really take time to actually grow this company to scale it. You know, it was then, and I realized that you know, I'll go. You know, I, I, I had to leave everything. Then uh, there was another gentleman, um, Colonel Kuchimen Soldier. The guy, you know, it was my client. You know, I, I was distracted and I couldn't because at the time the internet came to Nigeria. That was another thing because it's like my sister was working for an ISP, Infowet, so we're their agents. So we're actually doing a lot of um, um, installations everywhere. At the same time, we're also still doing our, our work. Now, um, this guy I had abandoned him for four weeks, you know, and he came and he blocked my gate. You know, he was, uh, we're in the same church, he was a zonal chairman. So, you know, he knew my house. So he blocked my gate until, you know, I came at 8, 8 p.m. in the evening and he told me to be at his office 8, 8 a.m. the next day. And, um, you know, I showed up. And I was there, and I was apologizing, telling him, okay, I'll fix your modem now. You know, he told me, sit down. He asked me one question. Um, he looked at the carpet in the room. Okay, if I, I need to get this carpet out of this room, how will I get it out? Now, I was looking at this guy. He, are you crazy? I came here to fix your modem, and you want me to take your carpet? He, he, he said, no, just tell me, how, you know, how would you take this carpet out of this room if you, if you needed to? And I, 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 could, I didn't have an answer. So he, so he said he was going to help me. You know, would you gather it from all corners? Or, or will you start folding it from one side? You know, which one is easier? So, and uh, I admitted that it was easier to start folding it gradually, so it's easier for you to take it out of the door. So, so why are you living your life like you're gathering the carpet from all corners? You know what I'm saying? You know, why, why are you not folding it from one side, you know, before you take the carpet out? So, and, you know, it hit me that I didn't have focus. And that was it. So, and he told me, look, you know, this um, mail that he needs to send, because the president then, Lushego Basinger and him, they were very, very close friends. You know, he, he, he actually advises the president on, on, on uh, national security affairs. This is what I need to do. This is very important to your country. So fix this, this stuff. So, and I did. And I, and I never looked back. You know, it was when I faced tech fully. Yeah. That's, that's that. That's I don't even know how to classify that proverb because it it made so much sense and the way the man put the description to you, it was just right in front of you rather than gather the carpets all around, just focus from one end and roll it forward. And there's a famous um, acronym I've come to embrace over the year that is focus. It says follow one course until success. Precisely. Yeah, so that's 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 very good. So now, um, could you just tell us what are some of the useful resources, books, software, you know, messages, tapes that were valuable and inspirational to you during your entrepreneurial journey? Two books. Um, Only the Paranoid Survives and the group. Um, there was another one, um, Who Moved My Cheese? I think Spencer Crater. I've forgotten the guy's, the author's name. Who Moved My Cheese? Um, that was another story. You know, it's, there are a lot of people who have helped me along this journey. It's not, uh, it's not something that came from within. Even when I, when I was going in the wrong direction, they helped me do cost corrections. 
from my mother to my uncle to uh, Colonel Kwechime, my brother, Osnoswede, uh, uh, my best man, Fidelis. You know, there, there, there are a lot of people. What I, I learned uh, was that, okay, everybody has, you know, some value, you know, some advice they'll give. And that will actually help you in some way. You get what I'm saying? You know? Yes. Uh, and um, what books do is they, you know, they sum up a whole, you know, like maybe 25 years of experience, somebody sums it up in, in, in something that you can read for a couple of hours. Read, just read it. You know, um, there, are, there are other books, you know, um, you know, that, that don't come to my head now, but those two books that I mentioned, you know, when, when we were actually making serious cost corrections, you know, um, but only the paranoid survives and the group, you know, made me realize uh, the nature of, of technology, you know, sigmoid curves and everything, how, um, you know, the inflection points, how to know when you've reached inflection points and, you know, um, look at trends and see where where things are going to go to. You know, a lot of people make the mistake of, um, um, uh, uh, there's this guy, in, you know, uh, it's a popular term people use about um, uh, following the puck instead of going to uh, following the puck where, to where it's going to instead of um, following the puck, you know, rather than waiting for for it to come to you. Do you get know what I'm saying? When you're playing hockey, you know, um, people some people chase salmon upstream rather than wait for the salmon to come to them. Do you get know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Only the Paranoid Survives actually, you know, made me now understand. It's a timeless book. You know, if anybody can still find it, they should, they should read it. Because it was the chairman of Intel, he actually explained why Intel became Intel. You know, and uh, why, how they took advantage of everything. And um, recently, you know, there, there are a lot of books I read recently, like even Steve Jobs' biography that you know, gave, me, gave me so much insight. You is, know. is that the recent one, Walter Isaacson, right before he died? Right before he died. Yes, you know, that's a very know, good one. There, there, there are things I, I learned from that thing that, you know, but I, I, I could only learn those things after the fact. You got what I'm saying, you know. There are things you learn while you are uh, doing stuff, there are things you learn after you made some mistakes and you now realize, okay, look, this is what I did wrong and you now make cost corrections. You know, um, strangely, the most useful books are the ones that I, I read after I'd made the mistakes. You got that thing. <laughs> you know, so, the, so and if, if I had started reading early, you know, if I, I didn't trust my own knowledge and understanding, mm. If I had started listening to those people earlier, but those people, they would not have given me advice if they had not seen me making those mistakes, too, as well, okay. you know. Um, so that's why I'm actually very, very blunt with people when I tell them things. You know, you like take it or leave it, because people, if people did not do this for me, I would not have made those corrections. You, you get what I'm saying, yes. you know. Uh, so, and I'm, and I'm grateful to those people, and that's why I keep doing it for others, too, as well. So if... If um, people don't like me, well, too bad, you know, but I will not lie. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You know, to any entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That's the worst thing you can ever, ever do to them. You know, for you to praise them to their faces and um, talk bad about them behind their backs, you know, that's evil. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. it seems as if uh, the media and other people uh, do that. You know, I, I would, you know, if you're doing nonsense, I'll tell you you're doing nonsense. You know, you need to make cost correction. I, you know, 
Um, people say, oh, you always have an opinion. Well, it's my opinion. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, you don't have to take it. It's my opinion, but I'll, I'll tell you, this is how I see it. You know, and, and, and that's, that's what I, I keep doing, and that's what I always keep doing. You know, it's, it's, it's very, very important that you hear, you hear those voices, but you make, you make those decisions yourself. Ultimately, you are the one in charge. But listen to those voices. Read. Gather data. That is as simple as that. You know, if you do those three, you know, I, 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 I keep telling people that there's so much potential for tech in Africa that no tech should be a poor man. You know, walk across the city. There's just so much you can do. Look at uh, we cyclers in Lagos. Mm -hmm. Collecting yeah. debt, rubble, you know. Uh, Bilkis, she, she's, she's done something out of it. You know, it's just, uh, meanwhile, you see all that rubbish. I keep asking people, okay, do you know your streets? You want to conquer the world, but you haven't conquered your streets. Mm. You know, you know, I, when I saw Next Door, I was so impressed. You know, what Next is Door. Next door? Next door is like a social network for your neighborhood, you know. Okay. Um, it, 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 but it actually started in Silicon Valley. And I, and I realized I would have no African equivalent of Next Door. Now, you know, the funny thing is that you say this and somebody goes, oh, you know, some pitching context, somebody, I don't want to see what somebody pitched. I want to see what somebody has done. Do you know what I'm saying? That's working. You know, somebody has built something for estates, like get their communities and all that, all well and good. But I want to, because I, you know, I'm here in Accra. I don't even know who my neighbors are. And, you know, it's so bad. You know, and I kept, I kept telling the guys managing the estate, look, this is, this is rubbish. But I now realize that it's not, not the guys managing the estate that will solve it. I am the one that will solve it. You mm -hmm. get what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, you know, so and I tell people, uh, you know, I, I keep giving these ideas to people. You know what? This is a problem. I think, you know, uh, it's something I feel um, we can solve. And they look at you and, um, so where's the money going to come from? <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> no, now, now, no, this is the interesting part. Where the money is going to come from is not where the money is going to come from, from the money the project is going to make, is where the money is going to come from to fund this project. And I'm saying, what? So you can't do something, then, you know, see how it works or, you know, go through, you know, a thought process to find out where, where yeah. the money is going to come from. You can actually prototype using simple tools. Even if you start with a Google Doc or thank, thank a you Hangout very or something, you can always prototype with simple tools. And then once you validate the idea, gather some of your own funds or bootstrap it and then put up a mock-up. You know, there's a guy, uh, I can't mention his name here because you're not letting me mention his name. Okay. Uh, he always used to tell me, look, um, that number one, secret to success, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, chase targets. It doubles them. You get what I'm saying? You know. Okay. Now, if he and he, when he sees also uh, an uh, uh, an opportunity, he does not rest until he's he's the best at whatever he's doing. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know. And uh, you know, successful entrepreneur because. You know, he, he, he sees opportunities and he, he takes advantage of those opportunities. He's not, he's not looking for how he's going to, you know, people defeat themselves. You know, okay, like on Twitter yesterday, I was discussing about um, uh, setting up tech hubs in schools. People were already seeing the downside rather than seeing any upside. And I was saying, how do you guys think? Has anybody tried this thing and failed that you guys are all talking about? People top down ideas. You get what I'm saying? You yes. know? 
I'm, I'm talking about, okay, look, we should do this. They are saying, oh, uh, the schools are this. this. No. One person had already said like, uh, like 20 reasons why it won't work. And I say, okay, you know that, that my one reason why it will work will actually trump all of those things. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and they looked at, oh, well, okay, probably, maybe, you know. So another thing again, Navarra can said something, you know, uh, which I totally believe. If you have an idea, if it's easy for that idea to be stolen, just let it be stolen on time. You know what I'm saying? So, so you don't waste your time, you know, like 10 years later, then you now realize that it was a bad idea. You know, you spend so much, you know. So let's start in the public domain. When you're let out in the public domain, you are actually getting feedback. Not, but not, it's not, you're not, um, Get, and the people who have not done it. The only people who are where the advice is valuable are people who 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 are in that domain who understand the kind of problem you are talking you are discussing. You know, and um, it's not people who are, people may have tried that have also failed. You know, you can listen to why they failed. You know, um, you can try to understand the domain better if you are not familiar with that domain. You know, but if you really really believe that. You know, an idea makes sense. Test it. That's just it. It's as simple as that. Hmm. You know, it's, it's not it's not difficult. Like you said, the tools are all there now to, to test those things. It's not uh, it's not rocket science. You know, and start from your streets. You know, if I if I see that okay, look, something first thing I ask myself, okay, are there enough users in my street that can use this stuff? You know, and um, if there are not enough users in my street, and I say, okay, maybe probably uh, you know this thing is is a you know, is a fluke. Maybe. Then I, I keep discussing this thing with people, and I find out, oh, yeah, okay, you know what? I, ha I actually have a similar problem. Which, which are the things I now learned from UX? You know, the, you know, the whole user journey thing. You know, if there are more personnel that actually have the same pain points, then you may be onto something. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know? <laughs> and don't you now actually now, you know, come out with the model and say, okay, look, you know what? This is, you know, how I want to do this. A great prototype. And, you know, you go, this is all experimentation, you know. And the lab is all around us, but we do not know. The lab is all around us. The tools are all there. Yeah, there's a, a guy, a young guy in Ghana, you know, people said, bring him up. This guy, 15-year-old, he can develop, he can do this, he can do that. Okay, fine, you know, like, and I realized that you don't have a laptop, so I gave him a laptop, fine. Then he now asked me, oh, you see, do I know a, a good um, UI person that can help him do his front end? And I told him, you're 15, you're looking for a UI person. Are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> Be the UI person, learn everything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, he's going into his head now, like he's an entrepreneur. He wants a UI person. You're, you're, you're totally insane. When I, when I, that, I learned PHP myself. I did everything myself. I, as I was doing PHP, I was also doing networking. I was cabling. I was doing, I did all of those things, you know, because I could. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh -huh. So just, that's the, the advantage of youth. You know, there are no limits. Mm. You know. You don't have your family to think of. You don't have any, you know, that because you can just keep doing. And, and it's so sad. I, 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 it's very, very rare for me to find enough. You know, it, it's terrible. Now, the people who are actually still doing many, many things are people who are my age. And, you know, it frightens me. I say, wait a minute. You know, like the people who are, you know, I know have like four, five, six companies doing several things are people my age. I said, why, why are there not more people in their 20s and 30s? Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Why do you have to be above 40 before you can now start doing these things? You know, and, and it's just, you know, and the funny thing is that those people 
you know, will not have the same kind of outlook I have. You know, people who are my age, you know, that's the sad part. Because kind of, you know, and those guys also really, really damage industry. Because kind of things they do, um, you know, that now prevents young people. You know, there's a lot of distrust. You got what I'm saying? You know, when you should actually be um, um, open up, you know, doing, and they'll tell you, well, you know what, there's no part in the jungle. You know, <laughs> these guys can't see, can't, can't see it. Well, too bad for them, <laughs> you know. So, so you know, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. Well, I, I think you know, Africa is an exciting place. You know, there are a lot of opportunities. There are a lot of challenges, plenty of challenges too, as well. Yes, but oh, that uh, that even reminds me of um, the giveaway we're doing for the launch of this show. I'm giving out a few copies of the book. It's titled "The Obstacle Is the Way" by um, Ryan Holiday. The art of turning trials into triumphs. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of the book, but uh, oh, yeah. So. I, 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 on my Kindle, I have so many books. I'm alright. I think that's actually one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's it's just when I was brainstorming and putting this podcast together, the book was released, and I thought, wow, this is we have in Africa that are being talked about. That you look at issues and you try to solve them, as you said, start locally, scale up, focus, gather data, execute, and experiment, and that's the only way. A lot of the international entrepreneurs that we all follow in the US. Europe, all these other places. That's how they started. So your advice ties in beautifully to the book. I just thought I'd bring it up and mention it. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's a wonderful book. I've actually, I, I think I, I remember now, yeah, you know, that there's a particular quote from it that I saw. That's why I bought it. And like you said, the obstacle, when the obstacle is the way, you get what I'm saying. But people do not see that, mm-hmm. you know, very easily. You know, um, I remember... This was um, when I was in England, and uh, we were in class. So we were having a, you know, uh, a discussion, you know, about, you know, some so, something, you know, um, happened in England. So I was telling them, no, but this, it doesn't happen that way in Africa. This is how it happens. I can't remember exactly what what that conversation was about. But you know, um, immediately I said this thing. The number of ideas I got, you know, from the guys in the class now made me look at the problem differently. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what I what I thought was a problem was that because I, okay, there's a guy, um, avant-garde, you know, he has a private equity company. This guy went to Yale. He he was in Yale, and you know, his idea then was to go to Yale, uh, uh, finish his Ivy League MBA, get a job in the US, and settle down there and all of that. You know. And, no, he now found out that there were a lot of his classmates who were interested in knowing about Africa, knowing about Africa. So what he did was he organized a, a field trip, you know, got his guys together. They came here, they saw it, and, you know, they were blown away by the opportunities that they saw. Now, these guys now helped him set up a fund, you know. In fact, he has, like, I think he said he has, uh, like, uh, almost a billion dollars now under management, you know. Oh. <laughs> When he told me, and I was saying, what? You know? <laughs> so he set up a fund to do PE work in Africa. So and he came back to Africa. Those guys were the ones that, because they saw those opportunities that, that, that he didn't see. If he had ended up working there in, in, you know, in America, working somewhere, you have a desk job, you know, have two and a half children, you know, safe, uh, you know, he, he would never be the, the person he is today. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Because you know? my in-law, you know, I, you know, I, 
And this is a guy who was in Benin, too, with me. You know, he was working in a bank. He was, But, you know, he said he was going to go to Yale. You know, he, that was his ambition. He did. But what Yale did for him was open his eyes to the opportunities back home, not uh, um, uh, give him a safe job, you know, in the U.S. So so that's that's the thing. What we, what we see as obstacles here are actually major opportunities that, you know, we can't even begin to comprehend until somebody opens our eyes. And so we need to put ourselves in a place where, um, you know, our eyes can be open. You know, um, because if we if we are, if we remain in the dark, you know, there's no way we can see. Yeah. So we need, to, we need to come out of the darkness. So to come out of the darkness, so you can see what's causing the darkness. So yeah. that's that's it. But if, we, if you don't come out, you will not know. So uh, people need to like uh, take a step back. I'm not saying everybody should travel abroad, you know, but you know. Just take a step back from from certain issues. You know, if I say, okay, look, uh, funding, funding, funding is the problem. Why is funding the problem? Take a step back and see how you can solve that. You get what I'm saying? Yes. You know? yeah. uh-huh. Rather than you know keep complaining about the same thing. Because my mother, the very, very first advice you know, she gave me, you know, she, she she kept she was funding the business, funding the business. You know, like our cash cycles were very long. You know, she give us some advances, then we will pay her back. You know, I insisted on always paying her. You know, and she asked me a question. Okay, look. This thing, you keep doing it, keep doing it, and you keep complaining about the same client. Why don't you try something different? Do, do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, and try a different approach. You know, you're doing the same thing. You're making the same mistakes. Look at look at the problem differently. My mother was just a teacher, but she could see it that way. <laughs> you know, and, and when I did, you know, everything changed. So, so that's 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 just it. You know, it's, it's not it's not hard. It's actually um, easier than we think. We think we look at it and we say no, no. It's all really, really, really. Uh, I, uh, you see, um, I had this discussion with somebody last week about poverty, and um, we realized that poverty is, is actually. Um, I, I'm not saying this to disrespect the poor in any way. I respect the poor, but it's it's, it's a mind problem. Is when you, it's actually people who are really, really poor, people who have been defeated mentally. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. People who, who do not believe that they can actually rise above their circumstance. So, um, like I, I, was, I was telling people, don't try to bring a poor person to your level. Make them your king. You know, they didn't get what I'm trying to say. Look, I say it's, it's a self-esteem issue. It's, you know, there are so many, many things that, that make people poor. So if you, if you can get them to believe in, that they can, they can do much more than they, they can ever imagine, they will never be poor again, you know. So that's that's what I believe should happen in Africa too as well. We need to get more people, you know. We need to create more more kings. We need to make more people believe that they are kings rather than uh, being slaves. Mm-hmm. Like, if I look at a young a young guy, I'm not saying that okay, um, you know, maybe the young guy will now do what I have done. I want the young guy to do much more and more than I have ever ever uh, dreamt of doing. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. It, you know, and I want them to realize that they really can. And, and if they, it's not me that will help them, they are the ones that will help themselves to be that thing. You know. Wow, that's that's amazing. So, Victor, I know we've gone over time. I just wanted to say thank you for coming on the show and. Thank you very much for having me too as well. Sharing your story, we really, really learned a ton and. Um, if you're comfortable, what's the best way for someone that wants to get in touch with you after hearing this interview? 
Uh, Victor at Afrinova.com. Yeah, so it's uh, Afrinova is A F R I N N O V A. Two ends. Victor at Afrinova.com. Okay, well, so, and I'll, I'll link to that. On, on Twitter, I'm on Twitter as a senator, so it's, it's um, probably, you know, I'm always online, so it's easier to catch me on Twitter. And thanks to Victor for agreeing to do the show. It was a blast. I hope to have him on sometime in the future. Don't forget to go to the website for the giveaway and leave a review and enter your emails. Now, a final word from our sponsors, and I'll see you next time on Odeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur. Are you tired of spending too much money on call center operations? Looking for a better way to connect with your customers and provide quality customer service? Try Callbase. Callbase is a software as a service solution that makes it extremely easy to provide quality customer service over the internet. Through this platform, you can set up a call center in less than five minutes and immediately take care of your customers' needs while they are still on your website. The technology eliminates the high costs associated with setting up and running call centers, as your team can be distributed across the globe. Leverage the power of local numbers from 50 different countries and have calls answered 24-7 at low domestic call rates. Start delivering high-quality customer service today. All you need is an internet connection, and the software does the rest. Go to callbase.co. That's C-A-L-L-B-A-S-E dot C-O for more information. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources, and we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.